Welcome to the Mindfulness Academy podcast. I'm your host, Amy Morgan, and today I'm excited to introduce you to our guest, John Shepard. John is the Mindfulness Program Manager at IU Health. Welcome, John. Thanks. Good to be here. I believe we met sometime here within the last year or so. Um, we were introduced by probably my favorite boss of all time, uh, Liz Joss. Liz, if you're out there, you're awesome, and thank you for the introduction. Um, Liz had worked at IUPUI, uh, I believe in communications and had come across you. Um, and she knew about me writing the chaos antidote, a fable about mindfulness, um, a book that was published during the pandemic actually. And, uh, knowing your work and my passion for mindfulness, she said, I think you two should, uh, hop on a call, which we did. And, and I just was so excited to hear about the amazing work that you're doing at IU Health. And I'm so glad that you're here so we can talk about it and learn some more about it. Cool. Yeah. Sounds good. It's a great, it's a great path here. Um, so let's, let's hop right in. Tell us about this role at IU Health. What does that look like? Well, that's an interesting question because what it looks like, uh, is what it is because it, it doesn't hasn't really existed before and so um it's different all of the time but i what kind of drives me and helps direct me is um remembering that my role is to find ways to Im embed mindfulness and mindfulness practices uh throughout the system right wherever there's an opportunity especially in the clinical setting because um, patient care is what we're all about. And the more mindful, the more aware we are, the better it is for everyone, most importantly for our patients. So yeah, it's using creativity and, and science and um, yeah, to find, to find ways to be more aware, to be more present. Give me an example of what that means. Well, a great example would just be like as a nurse, um, I know that distraction is a, happens, right? We get distracted. And most of the time we're distracted um, by thoughts um, in addition to all the other distractions of, 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 of being a nurse. And so just noticing that distraction when we're listening to a patient or when we're assessing a patient or when we're performing a procedure or even just starting an IV or, but mostly just in, in listening and actually just being there and listening rather than being lost in thought, right? Because that's where healing begins, I think, is by paying attention. Beautiful. So how do you teach the nurses, doctors, the staff how to be more mindful? Can you give me an example? Right, that's, that's difficult. Um, how... Well, first I have to get their attention, right? And uh, I try to bring the wisdom of mindfulness as close as I can to the bedside, right? Because asking doctors and nurses and other staff to come away to, say, a conference room or something or, you know, away from the work isn't doable, right? And that's kind of been the big challenge in healthcare is finding ways to bring this practices as close as we can to where doctors and nurses and PTs and OTs and everyone else works. And so, uh, one, let, let's see, like for one example, um, I like to use breath work uh, to help as to, to ground uh, our attention. And so I'll just round through the hospitals. And when I see an opportunity to say, hey, let's get together, it could be two nurses, three nurses, four, five, seven, and just kind of, let's just connect with our breath for a few minutes. Not even a few minutes, really. It's more like two minutes, you know? And just noticing what that feels like. And then, um, yeah, so that's kind of like the basis. That's, and then using different practices, um, even to some mindful movement. Um, what might that be? And like, just think of some, think yoga, right? So, um, some mindful stretching or um, another one like for example we'll do like a little bit of laughter yoga oh you gotta tell me about this <laughs> that one's tough to do but it's very effective um 
uh, because we want to be careful where you're laughing in the hospital setting. So when the appropriate, when the setting is appropriate, I will, um, <laughs> a good example is where you make a milkshake um, and you just kind of, you mix it up, you know, this imaginary milkshake, you have milk in this hand and ice cream in here and you mix it up. And then you kind of dump it all over yourself, right? And the whole time you're kind of, you know, invoking a synth, you know, uh, not a real laugh, but a kind of a fake laugh. And your body doesn't know the difference between that, right? It feels the same. And the laughter yoga isn't about making jokes or anything being funny at all. If it happens, it's great, but that's not the point. The point is to, to kind of invoke that feeling or, you know, invite that feeling of relaxation and, um, and laughter because that brings us into the present, right? And so all of these practices are designed to reconnect us with our senses in any way. The breath, noticing different colors that are available in your environment, anything we can do to just kind of have a break from the connection to thought, right? It's, it's about taking refuge in your senses. Sure, sure. So I'm wondering if you might be able to guide us in that here for a few seconds, how this, how this works, this laughter uh, modality. Um, really, a lot of the focus of the Mindfulness Academy podcast is taking the concepts, the methodologies from what I call the white tower, you know, um, whatever that might be. Maybe that's um, um, mindfulness instruction on a, on a very high level, um, or it could be, you know, neuroscience and that, that sort of, those sort of fields and bring them down to um, just us everyday people, you know, and, and give us the tools that we need at a moment's notice. Maybe sometimes it would be appropriate to do laughter um, meditation. I, I've actually never practiced that, and I'd love to try it. Well, it's laughter yoga, and laughter it, has yoga. To be, it has to be done standing up. And it, oh, we'll mess everything up. <laughs> yeah, we can't. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, maybe on another podcast we can I do love that. that. Okay, okay. Right, well, okay. okay, everybody hears it. He's coming uh, back. <laughs> okay. But let me give you just a diff- an example where we're, a sitting practice that I would do uh, would just have people, uh, whatever, however member, many members of the team, and just getting into stillness and settling into a stillness and noticing the urge to move and yeah. see if you can resist it. Um, just settling, noticing the breath. And then one practice I like to do is just called like seeing red. And that's where your eyes are just um, relaxed but open. And what you're doing is you're, it's almost as if you're looking out from behind your eyes. So you're not like looking at anything. You're just kind of gazing out from behind your eyes and just noticing what comes up. Because in our environment, there's a lot moving, right? And there's a lot of sounds too. And just noticing what's arising and what's falling away, right? Because anything that comes into our awareness also comes goes away from our awareness. And that simple practice of noticing when that happens is a ground, you know, has the ability to ground us in stillness and just being here and being aware. Sure. Right? Absolutely. I know what you mean by the, the urge to move. Yeah. Um, when I first started my mindfulness practice, I, I describe it as feeling like I wanted to crawl out of my skin. I just sincerely felt so uncomfortable sitting. Um, mm. At this moment in my life, I'm, I'm a business owner, I'm an author, I'm, I'm launching a podcast here and have a couple younger kids. I just felt like I needed to constantly be on the go to keep everything afloat, right? You know, yeah. now obviously married, have all the, you know, family um, joys and responsibilities. My life is full right now and it felt very difficult um, to be present. I noticed a very strong urge to reach for my phone. <laughs> I'm sure you hear of that a lot. I don't know if that's something that um, that you've had to deal with as well, or if you notice that a lot in in your practice with others that that is um, a concern that comes up. You know, the the holster, oh, <laughs> as yeah. I sometimes call it. You know, reaching for the holster. Uh, absolutely. Obviously, our society, our culture, uh, especially over the last few years, we even before the pandemic, distracted. Um, somewhat addicted to stimulus, right? Um, and that's just the way it is. Uh, I, 
you know, I don't, I don't, I have doubts whether that's a good way to live, to be constantly stimulated. So bring that, so people are bringing that into the healthcare system, right? Because this is the way we are. So it's really even more important that we notice that, um, that's difficulty in centering our attention, focusing our awareness and getting still because the reason the reason stillness is important is because a lot of times when we try to focus our awareness the mind doesn't want to get on board there's too much other you know way more interesting things to think about in the future or in the past than just what's right here right and we're forward we're you know we're focused on what's coming or what it's been so one way to kind of sort of trick the mind is let the body lead right okay so uh in mindfulness training we learn like let the body never let the mind lead the body always allow the body to lead the mind which is difficult and what we're what that means is is leading with your senses you know okay, okay sense, talk more about that well like you know what are the senses sight hearing smell touch touch taste at any given moment if you want to be present if you want to be there Notice what what you're, for example, noticing the cool air move across your skin. Well, in order to do that, I have to be present, right? I can't be thinking about much. I'm just coming back into the body, noticing sounds. I mean, that's the easy, that's the one I like best. If I want to get still, just sit down and noticing what sounds are coming to my attention, and and just for a brief brief shining moment I am present very quickly the mind will flood it back in um, but if, the more that you practice that the more you can make that time longer where you're actually present and so sometimes it's you know you start with sounds and then you might move to smells and then you might move to you know bodily sensations internal and external all of those are practices to bring you into the present moment and that's what the goal uh, is in in you know working in the hospital setting, presence. Excellent. It's about Excellent. taking refuge in your senses. Really, that's what because up here is great, but often kind of a, a wilderness. That's a good way to good way to say it. And we'll get back to the wilderness here in a minute um, because I know you just got back from a trip, uh-huh. and we'll talk about that wilderness. I want to want to talk more about that. Um, I'm curious what it looks like for patient care. Um, how does that that situation work for teaching mindfulness? Do you, Two do you patients, help yeah. yeah. Well, that's it's that's a challenge because the patients, if they're seeing us, if they're with us, rather whether it be inpatient or in the clinic, um, there's issue. They have some sort of issue, right? It's a health issue, and so you have to be careful not to say, "Well, we're going to teach you how to be mindful." That's not really going to serve very well. Um, and so you, <laughs> um, it's more important. It's more about finding out where they're at. Like, okay. tell me about your breathing. You know? Like, how do you? How does it feel to breathe? Um, tell me about your sleep patterns. Um, tell me about what you lean into. When things get, you know, kind of rocky, like what's your, what's your go-to to help you find presence to, to settle down, right? And so we listen to them, especially like in one of the clinics is the ICU survivor clinic where, we, where I work. And these are patients who have been, especially during COVID, had been on the, in the ICU for a long period of time and had probably been on a ventilator and maybe sedated for at least a week and other life-saving um, measures to keep them alive. And those patients, even the research shows, even up to two or three years can still be st- struggling with symptoms of PTSD from, from that experience because it was so traumatic. And so f- that's just one example of of a patient population that we work with. Another one is, well, I work uh, in the um, cardiovascular rehab unit where patients who have had a heart attack or other types of cardiac event, and they're doing their rehab to rebuild their heart and rebuild their lungs and muscles. 
And um, the research shows that mindfulness and meditation actually can help improve like their heart rate variability, which helps them kind of engage the parasympathetic system rather than the sympathetic fight or flight. And so mindfulness is all about parasympathetic and just noticing rest, noticing the breath, um, and being able to regulate, right? Instead of just being in a state of dysregulation and just going all the time, which is where most of us are. And this helps them get into uh, more just, and of course the breath is the king or queen, however you want to look at it. You know, we'll go with queen on this show. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> um, so if, if you have a patient at IU Health, do you give them the option, hey, we, we have a mindfulness um, manager who could talk to you a little bit, or are you just kind of on the wings and doctors say, hey, could you come in and talk with somebody? Yeah, I think right. that could be helpful. Because it is new, and because I'm a nurse, I, a lot of uh, of our staff, especially at the downtown hospitals, know that um, mindfulness and meditation helps, and we use our communication system, and I'll get pages and request, hey, we have a patient who's really struggling with this with a particular, you know, with what's going on, would you come and, and kind of just work with them? Sure. Um, and so there's where I go and um, just kind of meet with the patient. And luckily, as a nurse, I can make assessments that are, and read the chart and see, you know, what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. Because, you know, asking someone to meditate who, you know, it's, you just have to be careful about who, um, you ask to close their eyes, you know, it's not always, it doesn't feel safe. Sure. So it's really important to know, to be certified in mindfulness and know what's appropriate and what's not. So the burning question for me is how has COVID impacted your mindfulness services within the walls of the hospital? Right. It's interesting because it's really, um, helped us in a strange way become more aware of the need to be present. Um, How because, so? Well, because I think we would all agree that COVID has heightened everything, right? Heightened our sense of anxiety, um, heightened our fear, um, our reactivity, you know, all of it. It's it's kind of triggered everybody. And... Um, triggeredness is not something you want in healthcare. And so I think um, a, a lot of people in healthcare realize like, yeah, this is more important than ever now to recognize emotional states, um, negative mind states, um, distraction, um, feelings of fear and anxiety and sadness right and so mindfulness obviously helps us become more aware of those feelings in our body and so yeah if anything the regarding the pandemic and mindfulness it's actually increased the awareness of the importance of noticing what's going on inside sure, sure. Uh, because it's a tough time to be in healthcare right now uh so yeah and i think one of the biggest gifts of mindfulness to me is helping me become more responsive instead of reactive um, to, instead of have that knee-jerk reaction to learn to take a moment to, you know, a cleansing breath even sometimes can be all it needs, you know, that uh, between the stimulus and, and the response, you know, there there is that choice, there is that space and trying to claim that space to show up as my best self. Right. That's, that's exactly right. Yeah. Well, wonderful. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your, uh, your background because I think that's fascinating, um, your journey to mindfulness. And I would love for you to go clear back to college. Where'd you go to college? Where are you from? So I'm from Chicago. Um, the first, my first college degree was not in nursing. I, was, I worked in the insurance business in Chicago for like my first uh, 15 years of my career it wasn't until um much later in my life when i realized that i wanted to do something else and i wanted to become a nurse you got to tell me about that why why nursing 
That feels like a pretty yeah, large jump. Yeah, so. it was. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think I always wanted to, to, to be in healthcare. It's just that I didn't think I could do it. I wasn't the best at math, and so it kind of just intimidated me. And it wasn't until, you know, I was in my late 30s where I was like, you know what, maybe I could do it. And so uh, I did. Wow, so you started your nursing, you started college for nursing. Yeah. In I your late back, 30s. I, yeah, okay. yeah. I, um, I went back to college. My wife um, said, go do what you need to do. And, I'll, you know, she'll support us for a while. And so she did. And I went, got, went back to Marion College here in Indianapolis and became a nurse and nursing student and all that. And that's, yeah. And that's how it uh, kind of all began. And uh, so I'd been practicing as a nurse for about 16 years uh, before. That's when I started practicing meditation in the clinical setting for me. Uh, ICU. Yeah, I was in the ICU and just realizing my stress level was very high. My distraction was high. uh, Reactivity high. I just kind of felt like I was losing my losing myself a little bit and so that's when uh i started bringing like my phone and a little speaker into the icu and before work uh, i would clock you know clock in and then for about five or ten minutes i would sit down uh, in a space in our icu and just listen to this meditation to help me notice what i'm bringing into work you know where's my mind at where's my heart at and did you notice a difference after doing oh yeah yeah totally how so how so i just felt more present like i it kind of opened up a window like you can actually see what you're doing you know where you're coming from instead of just being dragged around that that was the big thing for me i was like wow i really i didn't know i had control over this <laughs> that i could actually see how i'm feeling and notice that it's just kind of was you know ghosts and shadows like noticing like well i'm afraid well what am i afraid of Naming it. I mean, that gives yeah. you a lot of power of the situation just to name it. Yeah. Notice my fear, my reactivity, all of that, and realize, you know, none of that was really um, based in fact. And that was the big kind of opened up for me. It's like, wow, look at all this reactivity and how unnecessary and unhelpful it was for me and for everyone who worked around me. And so that's when um, I started gaining a lot of attention and I was awarded uh, National Magnet Nurse of the Year, which is a big uh, recognition from the American um, uh, the American Nurses Association. And uh, so when was that? That you was in 2017. Uh, so that was a big award. And when we came back from the national conference, IU Health said, look, we want you to get certified in mindfulness and meditation, and we want you to share these practices uh, with others. So, that, yeah, which was great and beautiful, and not a lot of healthcare organizations have done that. I, I don't know of any. And you think more should? Was that? Do you think more should? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I'm sure that they're trying in different ways, but getting nurses or other, any healthcare individual who can, who works as patient-facing and works with other team members, yeah, definitely to help the team be more focused and more aware of what's what they're bringing to the environment. is It's hard to argue with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that, yeah. that journey with us. Um, I'm curious, does your wife also practice with you? Is that something you guys share? Yeah. Um, She's a yoga, she just she's a CPA actually, but um, she now is a, also a yoga teacher, and she is great. she's very much into yoga, and she's into she has her own meditation practice, and that's great. And uh, yeah, we remind each other, you know, when we're not being mindful. Oh, that's handy. <laughs> yeah, it is. Maybe sometimes annoying. <laughs> it definitely is helps. Oh. Uh, I think our relationship definitely. One of my goals for the Mindfulness Academy podcast is to equip our listeners with mindfulness tools in every episode. So when they listen, they can walk away and hopefully pick up one more tool to put into their mindfulness tool belt that they could use today. That's my goal. I'm wondering if you would be so kind as to share one of your go-to mindfulness practices that you use in the clinical setting. Yeah. uh, I like to keep it simple. 
um, and we only have a couple minutes usually in the in the clinical setting. So if I have a, a group of um, nurses or other clinicians um, around, the one I like to do is just a simple breath awareness because the breath, the beauty of a breath awareness practice is that the breath is always here. Um, it, it's always a good idea to notice your breathing um, and how you're breathing. And um, it's a good centering practice. Now, of course, I, it's important that people understand that when we practice meditation, especially when we bring our awareness to our breath, our mind might have other plans. And so when you notice that your attention has gone away, that's kind of like a mindful, that's kind of like the, the, that's the important moment to notice, oh, a distraction is here and then coming back without judgment, without criticism, without any of that. And of course you'll do it and that's okay, but just coming back. So in any um, meditation practice, just first notice what it feels like uh, if you're sitting to feel that sitting is, you know, like this. This is what it feels like to sit. Eyes open or closed? Whatever feels right for you. Um, if your eyes are open, just a soft gaze, like to the floor or your lap. And let the shoulders kind of fall away from the ears. Maybe notice uh, cool air moving across your skin. And then I like to just notice whatever it is that's supporting me here, in this case, a chair. And now just simply just bring your attention, your awareness to the physical sensation of the breath moving in and out. Now in this practice, it's really helpful as the breath is moving in to just kind of silently say to yourself, in. And then on the exhalation, track the exhalation along until the very last sensation and then just one. Again, in. When you get to 10, simply start over. distracted, which you will, notice the distraction and just come back, start over. And sometimes if it's helpful, if number if counting doesn't work, then just this breath. Another. This breath. So that's kind of the practice. It's just a simple breath awareness where we're just bringing your attention, noticing when it gets distracted and coming back. You do that about a million times. <laughs> well, 
thank you for leading us in yeah, that, John. No um, I definitely feel more relaxed. I wonder if my voice even sounds different. I feel yeah. different. It is interesting what happens even through just a short period of time. Um, there were a couple of other things I wanted to ask you here before the end. I know we're, we're getting close to time. Um, you recently came back from a week-long experience uh, in mindfulness. I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about what that was like. What, yeah, what was it? It was called Awake in the Wild. It's, um, it's a week-long retreat in the wilderness. It's put on by um, one of the teachers from the Mindfulness Training Institute, Mark Coleman, um, and who is an expert in teaching mindfulness in the wilderness. Um, yeah, so it's a silent retreat, week-long. Um, How many people? There were 30 people there. Um, I didn't know any of them. Um, and where were you? Well, we were in the Rocky Mountains. Okay. And last year, the one I did was in um, was in Baja, Mexico. So oh, wait, he can I just remind you that yeah. you have the coolest job? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's a. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been on a silent retreat, but it uh, it's it's. You know, it's it's very... Um, you use the word full. I did full. Yeah, full. Unpack because, that for us. Well, what does that just, mean? It's kind of like, do you know how like when you're sitting around your house and the refrigerator stops running, like that motor, that sound, and yeah. you notice, wow, that's been going the whole time and I didn't notice. It, that's kind of what happens, but you realize it's your mind that's been going. Wow. And so... How long does it take you to unfurl? It takes okay. me about four days. Four days. Yeah. Okay. I really don't really feel com not comfortable. You're you're constantly thinking. You realize because you're not talking. You're, the mind kind of takes over, right? And you this incessant thinking that's happening is very powerful. You're making judgments and opinions about absolutely everything, and it's kind of in your face, right? Because and you also notice the urge that you really want to talk to people. That's was hard. It's like. You know, you see all these interesting people and you you want to, some people like, I really want to talk to them and find out what their story is. I don't really have that much so much because I, I'm, I, I don't know. That's, that's not, I mean, I, I like enjoy silence. Uh, so there's so, it's just whatever comes up for you. Um, yeah. Um, Any lessons you took away from it, that? It's weird. It's interesting. You people like on the final night of the retreat, we kind of come out of silence very slowly, and people what, ask, "What does that mean? Come out of silence like, very slowly?" Because um, we're listening throughout the week, we're listening to talks from the teacher. Like he'll, there is some, there's teaching that goes on throughout the retreat. You know, insight that he's learned, and um, so when you come out of silence slowly, you're just encouraged to like, you know, if you have anything to say that you want to talk about, how was your experience, right? And so that way, because it could be jarring, like all of a sudden, like, the, uh, you know, you're, suddenly you're silent for a week, and the next thing you know, you're in a crowded airport. That could be really... Um, a shock to the system. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so, and, yeah. and it was full in that there were some interesting uh, natural experiences you said oh, that yeah, happened right? during the time, too. Tell us about that. Well, it was springtime in the Rockies, which okay. I've never been in the Rockies during springtime, but... Like the first two days, the wind was... In a tent. So, you need to say yeah, you're in you a would, tent. Yeah, I was in a tent, yeah. Okay. And I'm not really a camper. Uh, the only time I get in the tent is when I go on these retreats, so... That's brave. You know, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, so the wind was super, super strong during the first two days, day and night, and that which is beautiful because the wind was such a constant reminder of, you know, wake up, you know? Kind of a bell. Yeah. Uh, it didn't really care what we were trying to do. And that was beautiful for me. Being in, in nature is what that retreat is all about and using nature to remind us that we're no different than the trees or the ground or the water or the wind. We're all one, right? That's, it really gets into that, like yeah. noticing, you know, the, you can see the snow melting from the Rockies coming down through the river. And we were, you know, I was anyway, drinking right out of the river because it was snow melt. <laughs> And just feeling like, yeah. And then, you know, <laughs> I go and pee it out and it goes back into the ecosystem, right? Yeah. And noticing my, you know, connection to nature is, that's just one example, but yeah. Some, so some uh, lightning. 
Yes. Yeah, that lightning did. storm came at night, and it was flooding. Was there flooding too? Well, the river because it because it rained up in or it snowed up in the mountains and increased the amount of water coming down. This little creek that was near us, the stream really um, broke over its banks, and I didn't really notice it until the next morning. I woke up and I was like, oh well. Maybe I <laughs> my socks are floating. <laughs> <laughs> no, luckily it wasn't. It didn't get near my tent, okay. but it definitely got closer. And so, uh, yeah, noticing my reactivity to that too, like how I wanted to freak out, you know, even though there was really nothing to freak out about. So anyway, when I say full, it just means like it's just realize how triggered I was just going into the retreat and how I stayed triggered, you know, for four days for, for four days before I finally. Okay, you know, I can relax now a little bit. And so finally, the last thing on the last day of the retreat, the teacher said, so congratulations, you know, we finished the first week of retreat. What he was saying was, now take it into the second week, you know, into your life sure. yeah. and stay in this, stay in this mind state, in this, in, this, in this abiding awareness, right? Which, of course, I didn't. You know, I tried to. I think it lasted. I got into the Denver airport. I was got on the airplane. I was cool. You know, didn't get in until two in the morning. I was still kind of felt good. And then the next day, you just realize this. You're getting pulled out of it and just kind of trying to stay there. So I still feel about twenty percent. So that's good. That's good. Yeah. I consider I consider that a win. Yeah. Yeah. So I got to go back to on retreat. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way you think. Um, I am wondering if you could share with us a little bit about the impact of your work. We're going to go back to your work for just a moment here because I love this visual of how your work is influencing the healthcare system. Can you give us an example of that? Some um, either qualitative or quantitative or, or story. Yeah, right. what, what would be... Yeah, we are doing research on the effect of this, um, the impact that it has. Okay. Um, I'd be interested but, to hear more about that. Maybe right. on the next time. Maybe the next there we go. <laughs> so on a, just on a like anecdotal, like one of the practices I that, that I really like is when I round on different units and I see an opportunity to bring people together to practice some form of embodiment, embodiment right? I mentioned before, like I do, I practice it like a two-minute laughter yoga, right? Um, which uh, is, is mindfulness, right? And it's a meditation, and it's an awareness, and it's bringing people together, and it gets people to notice their state, right? Their physical and emotional state. And it, without exception, whenever I leave a group, I hear words like, well, I always hear, can you please come back? And then I also hear, as I'm walking away, I can hear some. I can hear whoever it was—physicians, nurses, whomever talking—and it seems like every time I hear, "Wow, I feel so much better." I didn't realize how uptight I felt or how stressed I was. You know, and it's like that's it. See, that's what I want to be noticing how triggered we are, and it seems like without exception, each time I hear that come out, like I, I didn't realize. Amazing, and they, and they don't say it to me, they just say it out to the universe, right? That's amazing. And and you provide ongoing training is it a daily practice, um, or a weekly practice via Zoom that, that some of your right. folks can, uh, the, the clinicians can, yeah, dial there's into, a there's right? a we have a you can call a number, a telephone number, and listen to five different meditations. Uh, we also have daily, uh, daily meditation that's available. Um, and a five-week uh, training in mindfulness class that I teach. On demand, and, or is that? Uh, I offer it, and then they fill up, and then we're done. Um, so it's, How much time does this take? It's five weeks. Uh, like an hour a day? Or? 90 minutes uh, a week. is should be two hours, but we got to, you know, whittle it down to make it, uh, you know, you know, doable for people with busy schedules. And then I also do retreats. That's the big one that's that's come up lately is I do half-day and full-day retreats where we practice mindfulness, we practice using, uh, noticing emotional states. Uh, we, notice, we practice um, 
uh, breathing exercises. Uh, we do yoga. We do n- not any fancy yoga, but simple yoga, and then also myofascial release. Just so this is a, it's just a lot of resting and noticing. So yeah, so all kinds of different practices. John, I'm wondering if you might be able to share with us an anecdote um, of, a, of an instance where you were able to help a patient who was struggling maybe with some big emotions or some, some major um, medical issues and how your mindfulness, what, what, what you did and, and what the result of that was. Right. Yeah. So the one that comes to mind uh, was just actually a couple of weeks ago um, in uh, our ICU survivor clinic where um, some of those patients are suffering symptoms of, um, among other things, um, PTSD and or... Some from COVID? Yeah, they're also, you know, we'll have COVID. Yeah, the the PTSD from being, um, you know, on a ventilator for, you know, at least a week or other life-saving ICU measures that can be traumatic um, for anyone to go through, uh, especially being on a ventilator. So... Um, these patients come back and we work with them and with their physical symptoms, like shortness of breath or um, other symptoms. But they're also, I work with them in, in the, what, in more of the area of working with relaxation and okay. um, emotional regulation, things like that. And so this one patient that we were working with, he, um, can you give us the age so we can kind of have a little visual there? Yeah, it was young young man, actually, uh, a young father, um, who, um, when talking with him about how he was, you know, just kind of going through his life now from a day-to-day experience, um, He was having trouble just sort of relaxing, and which is understandable. Because he's in the ICU. Right, okay. right, right. Okay. And just Suffering feeling, from- yeah, just feeling on edge a lot. Um, anyway, so I just did a simple um, stillness practice with him, just finding a way to settle into stillness and then connect with the breath, like similar to the one we just did. Mm-hmm. And he did have breathing issues, but I was able to notice some like where he was breathing and look at his breathing mechanics and i kind of noticed that he was doing a lot of chest breathing which doesn't really lend itself yeah doesn't lend itself to you to relaxation sure or focus or anything it's just kind of it's a triggered way to breathe and so i introduced him to belly breathing or abdominal breathing and we practice it together do you, um, do you do the hand on the belly? Yeah, just, yeah, hand yeah, on the yeah. belly, hand on the chest, and yeah. just kind of see if you can get the, the belly moving more. And, and by doing that, also, you're, you're recruiting more lung space, too, which I don't think he understood, but was important because given the injury that his lung had sustained during COVID, there was all this extra lung space that wasn't being utilized. And, and once we started looking into and practicing abdominal breathing or belly breathing, he actually kind of felt like, whoa, I could actually get a deeper breath. And so I felt, so I worked with him and then, so I came, I came out of the room and our next team member who I think was with pharmacy or maybe social work went in and talked to him and worked with him. And then when she came out she said, because we were, we, we all kind of, debrief in a conference room and she said that patient said that since he's left the hospital anything that other people have told him that was the most useful thing that anyone has ever told him about how to uh, finding ways to you know relax and breathe and that kind of you know I'm, I'm sure you can imagine that kind of made me feel like an important member of the team and we were making a contribution so well, everyone else on the team does super important work uh, as well. So yeah, stuff like that. It's just noticing people, helping people understand that, like I did, that there is another way. Right. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. That's, and it's, it's, it's exciting. It's exciting to think about how mindfulness has the opportunity to even impact not only our, our, our mental well, well-being, but 
even our physical well-being to lean into breathing better. Right. If you've had if you've had some sort of injury or just what that might even do for other parts of our body if we are breathing well, sending oxygen right. to the places that need to heal. Right. That's what. And so there's a sweet spot, like a combination of, you know, Western and Eastern medicine. Okay. You know, that's really talk, what. Talk about that. Well, what that's really what you know. In the West here, we, you know, we tend to treat disease. Right. Right. Rather than, and find ways to prevent illness as well. But mindfulness is, I mean, let's be honest, it's an Eastern-based sure. practice um, that is, being a, is now being more widely accepted. And so finding how it complements Western medicine is really what, we're trying to do here because it does complement it. Uh, they complement each other very well. So, yeah, I will say anecdotally for me, um, the Eastern and Western, how that has uh, impacted my own life is several years ago, I was in a car accident and, um, I, I received a lot of, um, physical therapy, um, which, which seemed honestly in a lot of ways like Western, um, medicine. Um, and the interesting part to me though, was that, um, when I had wrapped up my my stint with physical therapy, um, my physical therapist said, I would highly recommend you continue with yoga. I thought, well, okay, fine, I'll, I'll do that. Um, and this was, goodness, 16 years ago. And what I realized when I started doing yoga was that um, I was paying too much for physical therapy because it was all <laughs> yoga. Right. Um, it sincerely was right. and um, it has helped a lot over these right. last several years um, to keep things from wanting to lock up. Um, it's really been uh, a blessing to me and my body. So Yeah, yoga is wonderful. I love it. And so many benefits. I mean, I'm 150 years old, but you can't tell because of <laughs> yoga. Well, thanks yeah, for the tip. Yeah, right. <laughs> so do it more often. Um, the last thing I'd like to do, um, if you would... Uh, if you would be so interested, would be to wrap up our time here together by practicing GLOWY, the GLOWY daily reflection practice. And this is something that I, it's an original practice that I developed um, and use in my, as my daily practice as part of that. And I've included that in my book, The Chaos Antidote, and in, in the accompanying workbook, because I feel so strongly that um, it helps connect me to myself before I start the day. I just feel even if I just have five minutes, I feel more centered by writing this out. It also can be something that you can speak, which is what we'll do today. Um, would you be willing to join uh, me in of that? Of course. Wonderful. A Thanks for being a good sport, John. Love it. Um, so GLOWY is a an acronym. And the first, uh, I'll tell you what the each of the letters are, and then, and then we'll practice it. We'll let you um, give us your responses. So the G stands for um, grateful, what, what we're grateful for. I, I think a lot of great practices start with that. The L stands for lift up the things in our lives that need resources, support, um, the things that may be weighing us down a little bit. Um, the O is for what you observe, as in mindful, the mindfulness practice of noticing what's going on inside and around you. Mm -hmm. um, the W is for wholesome intention, so how you intend to show up in this moment, how you intend, how you intend to show up in life. And the why is my favorite. Um, you end the practice with a, a positive affirmation about yourself. So the why stands for you are. And sometimes when I do this, I'll even kind of give myself a little hug. Sometimes I'm even looking in the mirror just to kind of affirm myself before I head out into my day. Give myself a little, a little bit of a pep talk before I head out the door. So let's All let's right. dive right in. Um, tell me a little bit about what you're grateful for. And it can be one thing. Or it could be five things. Whatever is comfortable to you. Uh, I'm grateful for, I'm just grateful to be alive, to be, to be able to participate in the world. That's a beautiful one. Yeah. Tell me something that, um, needs lifted up, maybe needs resources or support. In my life, right? Um, or it could be in the world. Yeah. Love, <laughs> you know, um, I feel like, or let's just say kindness. I feel like I, sure. Practicing kindness for me is super important. Need right? more of that in the world. Right, right. I agree. Yeah, I mean, and I and I usually miss the opportunity when it comes along. You know, I see an opportunity to be kind, and I didn't do it, and so then I practice. I try to 
next time. Sure. Yeah? Sure, you want to be more mindful of, of being Of being kind. kind, yeah, of doing something for someone else. Beautiful. What about, what is something that you observe inside and around you? That needs work? Yeah, something I observe a lot is my um, react, my ready, my ability to react to anything rather than just kind of let things come and go. Okay. You even notice that maybe even today there are moments where you've reacted instead of responding or or let it roll. I generally walk around in a state of reactivity, so (sighs) noticing when I when I don't. And practicing non-reactivity, yeah. Beautiful. What is your wholesome intention, John? My wholesome intention... is just to be present. I mean, just... practice mindfulness. Practice just being here over and over and over and over again. Right? That's often mine in the morning yeah. is my wholesome intention is to show up. Sometimes it's, I want to be present during this coffee meeting I have, or right. I want to be present when I pick up my kids and hear about their day. Right. Um, and so it can, the beautiful thing about being present is it renews every second. There's another opportunity. Oh, okay. Right. Deep breath. I can be present now. Maybe I wasn't five seconds ago, but I can be present now. And, and that's what a, matters, right? You just right. practice. That's, I mean, medicine is practice. Mindfulness is practice. It's because it's a continual improvement and trying. Yeah, and what's funny is our na- it's our natural state, right? This is how I was born. It shouldn't be that hard to fall into this natural state. So going back to that natural state of presence is what it's all about. Really. Absolutely. And the last one, my favorite, you get to brag on yourself. You get to love on yourself <laughs> a little bit, John. You are. An- enough. I like that you are enough. You're imperfect and still enough. John, it's been a complete pleasure having you on this show today. Thank you so much for sharing your story, your journey, what you're up to at IU Health, the impact that your work is having. Thank you for doing that important work, and thank you for joining us. I've enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us for the Mindfulness Academy podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Good Aim Communications. Good Aim Communications is a full-service marketing firm that serves clients in the housing, service, and renewable energy sectors. If you'd like to learn more, visit goodaimcommunications.com. If you'd like to learn more about the Mindfulness Academy podcast, please visit mindfulnessacademy.us. Please also be sure to subscribe to our Mindfulness Academy podcasts through whichever service that you listen to. You can also access it through mindfulnessacademy.us. From my heart to yours, may you live with ease. This is your host, Amy Morgan, signing off.